I love the song uh, because the song allows for attention uh, that uh, many gospel songs or many uh, uh, Christian songs do not allow for um, the, the fact that you can pray for something and ask God for something and then say, but even if, or even if it doesn't happen, there's a lot of Christian leaders or, or Christian thought leaders, I should say, uh, that say we shouldn't give God an out. So we're praying for something and never say, what if it doesn't happen? Because if you say that, then that allows doubt to come in. And if doubt comes in, then maybe faith goes out. Um, I don't hold to that. I love the tension. I love the, uh, I don't think it's God giving God an out. I think it's just being honest about where you are in your Christian life, where you are, because there's going to be some moment if you're a Christian and been a Christian for any length of time, there's coming a moment uh, to where you're going to be asking God for something to work on your behalf. And uh, he may, but then he may not. And what you do with that and how you respond and how you react to those moments are going to uh, largely determine uh, the kind of Christian faith and the kind of journey you're going to have. The guy that wrote that song, if you've heard his testimony, um, he, uh, he said he wrote it basically on a bad day. Uh, because you don't think of Christian gospel writers, songwriters having bad days because after all, they spend their whole life just going around the country singing about Jesus, right? And so it, it should all be wonderful and great, but it wasn't so in his particular life at, the, at that moment. Uh, his boy, as he gives testimony, I think at the time he wrote it, was uh, 13 or 14, a teenager anyway, and his son, because of a disease or because of a sickness that his son had, his son had already had 27,000 shots uh, given to him by the time he wrote that song. Every time the boy put something in his mouth, a shot had to go into his body. And that's the way he had lived his life, all of the, most of the boy's life. And uh, he had prayed for well over a decade for God to heal his boy, uh, deliver his boy from that. And God had chosen at that point moment in time not to he said one day he was coming out of the doctor's office again a checkup and just a sort of a reminder that you're you know that basically their lives sort of centered in and around what he and uh, his uh, boy had gone through his family had gone through and a dear lady came and met them or met them in passing someone that knew him and knew the situation and asked how his boy was doing or is there any progress and you know he's Said he, uh, he said, now granted, I was having a bad day. He said, but, you know, I was honest as I could be about it. And he said, then the lady said to him, well, we're just going to pray that God heals that boy. And he said, again, I'm having a bad day. He said, so I don't want you to think terrible of me. He said, but I didn't have great thoughts at that moment. He said, what I wanted to say to her was, oh, that's a novel idea. Why didn't I ever think of that? <laughs> But I didn't because she was sincere and he, could, he understood that and did not want to respond in that manner. But nonetheless, he said, that's what I felt. So what do you do? What do you do when you find yourself at a place in life to where it's you or somebody close to you going through the fire, being hurt or pain or sickness or whatever the case is, and I'm asking God to intervene, and yet he doesn't. 
I'm not so sure that I'll be able to give an answer that's going to satisfy you if you find yourself in that moment this morning, especially if you have a child or someone hurting. And you say, well, I don't understand. God knows, right? Yes, God knows. God knows I'm here, right? Yes, God knows you're there. I've asked the Lord to save. I've asked the Lord to heal. I've asked the Lord to, uh, to, uh, to rescue me. And why has he uh, not? I, I'm not going to have the answers to Uh, to all of that, but I do want to give you a a couple of things to consider. One is, I don't think it's because, I don't think God is waiting for you to wrestle anything out of his hands. I don't buy into that. I don't think you're going to get to heaven and realize one of these days, oh, if you would have just prayed two more times, you almost had it, but you didn't pray enough. So it sends us, when we don't allow this tension, when we don't allow this even if, to enter our vocabulary and to sort of enter our, you know, world. It just basically puts the whole thing back on us. Well, you're not praying enough. You don't have enough faith. Well, if you would just do step, 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 this will happen. This will take place. Dear friend, uh, all that does is leave you empty and it makes somebody very rich in the books that they sell. When, when their idea is if you'll just do three, four, five, six, seven steps, what if you do those steps and the answer still doesn't come? So evidently then it's something about you. If you just had enough faith, that's always the cop-out. Well, I think that's cruel, and I think that's a misuse of Scripture. I think you have to be able to allow there to be attention. I'm asking God for this. Can God still heal today? Absolutely he can. I've seen it, my own, seen it in my own life. I, I firmly believe that. But what if he don't? How do we respond and what do we do? One thing I'd like for you to know this morning is you're in very good company if you find yourself. And here's the thing. Sometimes we don't verbally ask the questions that we have in our mind because we feel like it sort of makes God look bad, feel bad because, you know, after all, I've told everybody at work, I'm a Christian, I've told everybody at work that God answers prayer and that God's this and God's that. And then yet I'm going through whatever it is that I'm going through. You have questions in your soul that you're sort of afraid to verbalize publicly. Well, I'd like to give you permission this morning to verbalize them publicly. God's a big God. He can handle all the questions. He does happen to have some answers, a couple of which I'll share with you. But Matthew chapter 11, if you want to turn with me, and if not, I've got it right here on the board for us. In Matthew chapter 11, uh, there's a couple of Johns in the Bible. You've got John the Baptist and John, the guy that wrote the, uh, the book, one of the Gospels of John, two different Johns. This one we're talking about, John the Baptist. John the Baptist was a cousin of Jesus. He knew him very well. They were about six months apart in age. They grew up in the same region and area together. I'm not so sure that John the Baptist knew all of who Jesus was. I knew, I know he know, knew him as the Savior, the coming Savior, the Messiah for the Israel people. On one occasion, he did say, comes take away the sin of the world. So it was enlightened to him. The scripture says that John was filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. I don't get all of that. I just accept it because that's what the Bible says. So John the Baptist was a very special individual. And yet John the Baptist found himself in a very precarious situation. He finds himself in prison, about to go out of this world. At least that's the rumor that he's hearing. And he wants to know, is Jesus going to come and save him, salvage him, rescue him from his given situation? So it says in Matthew chapter 11, now when John, talking about John the Baptist, had heard, he was in prison, the works of Christ, he, John the Baptist, 
sent two of his disciples, John still had some followers following him, and said unto, uh, and they said unto him, talking to Jesus, so he sends his disciples, because he can't go anywhere, he's in prison, he sends his disciples and says, go to ask Jesus, art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? Now this is very, very, I just call it very snippy. John's having a bad day. John has already declared, behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. John's already said, Jesus, I'm not even worthy to unlatch your shoes. John knew who Jesus was, but he just said, hey, go ask, go ask Jesus, is he, are you the one or am I, we supposed to be looking for somebody else? So his disciples go and ask Jesus, hey, Jesus, John wants to know, and he would be here himself, but hey, he's in prison right now, but he wants to know, are you the one or so are we supposed to be looking for somebody else? Jesus, the other gospel in Luke, it tells us this same story. It says, in the same hour. So Jesus doesn't answer the disciples right away. Jesus tells his disciples, hey, y'all sit over there for just a minute and watch what takes place here. And in that hour, the scripture says the lame were walking, blind folks were being healed, sick were being raised, all this kind of stuff, all, all miracles, just all miracles all the time, everywhere, all stuff's going great for everybody. Here comes this, couple, here comes this guy coming in, he's hobbling in and he walks out straight and upright. Here comes somebody being led in by the hand because they're blind and he walks out seeing. I mean, just miracle after miracle. And so then he looks to his disciples, John's disciples, after they've sat there for an hour and watched all this go on. He says, go and show John again, again, uh, those things which you, you see and you hear here. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. That's all fine, well, and good, but I'm stuck in prison. And then, snippy deserves snippy. (laughs) Jesus says, and tell John, blessed is he, he's a happy guy, whosoever shall not be offended in me. Translation, tell John, he'll be a happier fella if he stays on his side of the fence. Right? Because John said, Jesus must increase while I decrease. John said that. John just had no idea that he meant he was going to be decreased by a head, right? (laughs) Jesus must increase and I must decrease, but he thought he got to choose how he decreased. John's thinking he gets to go out sort of, you know, and everybody applauding him and everybody's sort of this graduation kind of a thing. Thanks, John, for all you do, and we are going to have this place of honor now. Oh, he's rotting away. Uh, in prison, all because he told some religious leaders that their marital relationship wasn't what it was supposed to be, and you're with this other guy's wife, and you shouldn't be, and it got John in trouble. And now, uh, it may even get his head taken off because of it. And John doesn't like it. And John, now here's the, uh, the beautiful thing. After his disciples go back to tell John this, then after they leave, Jesus says to the folks there remaining, he said, no, I know what you're thinking. I know that you're thinking that John, John's having a bad day. But I just want to remind you that there's not a greater man born of woman than John the Baptist. 
I think it would have been nice if Jesus would have said that while his John's disciples and John could have carried that message too, but he didn't say that. He sent them off. And is, you're talking about tough love. No, you just go tell John, tell John everything is going just the way we planned it. It just so happened that the plan doesn't suit John. John, what John wanted to say was, instead of, are you the one or should we look for another? Uh, John wanted to say, if you are who I have told others you were, Lamb of God, not worthy to latch your shoes and all of that, then why am I in this situation? You're, you're not going to live long in the Christian life to where you don't find yourself wanting to say this out loud. And even if you don't verbalize it outwardly, you can't help but to ask inwardly. Lord, why am I in this situation? Say, well, maybe because John questioned, right? Well, maybe if John had better faith, maybe if John didn't have that doubt. Hey, friend, listen. Uh, Doubt, the the opposite of faith is not doubt. The opposite of faith is fear. Jesus doesn't want, Jesus understands the questions. He don't mind the questions. Jesus had questions while he was hanging on the cross. Questions don't bother God because God knows you got them anyway. So if you're having questions about where your life is and why you're going through what you're going through, fine, ask the question. He gets it. He understands. He is your heavenly father. I'm sure when you were raising your children, they had questions. They had questions about why, why why can't we do this and why don't you do this for us? Uh, Other uh, kids get to do this and all that. I'm sure you've got questions as a child of God. Questions are fine. I don't think questions necessarily uh, cause uh, a lack of faith. It's when fear creeps in. And that's what Jesus always got on to his disciples about. Why are you so afraid? It's the fear. But maybe if John didn't have the questions, maybe if John could have been a little bolder, maybe if John could have prayed a few more times, maybe if he had a little more faith, God would have rescued him, right? Something I'd never seen until I was uh, preparing this a few weeks ago, and I read, and I was just reading, actually preparing for another Sunday school lesson, and I saw another passage about Paul. You know, Paul and John, John the Baptist at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, and Paul at the end of his ministry, two great, great, great men. Do you know they found themselves at the end of their lives in the same situation in prison? Let me uh, 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 turn to this passage. I don't have it for the screen, uh, but if you have your Bibles, turn there. Uh, turn there or tap there on your phone, uh, wherever you are. I want to read a passage to you. It's, an, it's quite an amazing passage about Paul because Paul finds himself in the same situation, in prison. And yet Paul has no doubt. Paul has no doubt and no question that God is going to rescue him from his situation. It says in verse 17, in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 17, Notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me that by me the preaching might be fully known. 
and that all the Gentiles might hear. And I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. That could be figurative. That could be uh, literal. Verse 18, and the Lord, and the Lord, now the Lord has delivered me. Now watch what he says in verse 18. And the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work. This is what Paul believes. And will preserve me unto the heavenly king, unto his heavenly kingdom, to whom be glory uh, uh, forever and ever. John, who questioned and uh, questioned while going through the fire, and Paul, who believed strongly while going through the fire, both ended up with the same fate. Uh, they both faced the guillotine. One had seemingly questioning faith, and the other was bold enough to say, I shall be delivered, God's going to deliver me from this. And they both went to the executioner. So maybe it was all about God's plan, God's ways, God's means, understanding the blood of martyrs uh, grows a movement. And it wasn't just them personally. It's like the Lord says, hey, this ain't anything personal. This is just the plan. Now the question is, can we live with that? Can you handle that? Can you handle it when your heavenly father says, it's not going to happen the way you want it to happen? That's not going to take place. While you're there, here's another amazing verse that you may just read over and never give it a second thought. This morning, I'd like for you to at least give it a second thought. In the same passage where Paul says all of that, in verse 20, Paul's closing up this book with Timothy, and he just gives out some, hey, so-and-so's here and so-and-so's there and greet them and do this and do that. And he says this, Erastus, he's talking about people back in that day. A boat, he, he's at Corinth, but Trophimus, this other guy, one of my workers, one of my servants, he said, I had to leave him at Miletus. And you know why I left him behind? Because he was sick. You say, well, what's, you know, I left my loved one this morning. She was at the house sick. Yeah, I know. It's not a big deal for us. But to me, it's a big deal when Paul leaves folks behind sick. Because Paul raised folk from the dead. Paul healed people. Paul laid his hands on folk and they were well. The fact is, Paul had such power at the beginning of his uh, uh, ministry where people would come by and rub cloths on him and then take the cloths and hand it out to folks. And healing had taken place beyond Paul's own presence. I mean, Paul had seen a whole lot of healing take place. And at the end of his life, he's leaving people behind sick. And But you, know, you see, nowhere in Scripture where this throws Paul off. Paul's not saying, oh, what's happened to me? I lost my power. I lost my way with God. I've, Paul mentions none of that. You know why? Because it wasn't Paul's power to begin with. So God used Paul early in Paul's ministry to see a lot of miracles take place. But those miracles seemingly waned toward the end of Paul's ministry. And Paul was, Paul was good with the, a bunch of miracles up front. And Paul's good with a few miracles toward the end. You know why? Because that's God's part of the fence. That's not Paul's part of the fence. 
Paul doesn't, you don't see Paul walking around saying, well, I guess I just, I've lost it. Something's happening. God, you used to use me for this and you used to use me for that. And now why not this? And God would say, listen, it's all going to plan. Friend, I am not trying to give you an excuse not to pray. I'm not saying that God doesn't heal. I know God heals. You've seen God heal. We had a lady at the church uh, a few uh, weeks ago, stood up, and the testimony was the doctors came in uh, ready for treatment and said the cancer is gone. They sent her home. The doctors did. Sent her home. She stood before the church and thanked them for praying. You say, what was that? I think God healed, right? I've seen it. You've seen it. We've experienced it. We've seen God healing. But I've also prayed for God to heal others, and it didn't take place. And they went on to heaven. What do you do with those? Do we sort of step back and start introspection? Well, what was my and I, did I do enough? And did I believe hard enough? And was it strong enough? And da da da. Just stay on your side of the fence. We've got to allow this if it doesn't. We have to allow space there. That space that you allow when you say if it doesn't does not necessarily, it doesn't have to breed uh, doubt, and it doesn't have to breed a lack of faith. But I find it, as a Christian in the 2018, I find it pretty firm ground to be able to say, we're praying for this. This is what we want to see God do. I want to see God deliver. I want to see God heal. This is what I'm praying for. But if he don't, This is going to be my response and my reaction. I'm not going to automatically step back and beat myself up for a lack of faith or a lack of prayer or I didn't do enough or I didn't follow those three steps or I didn't, as if the scripture is some sort of potion book and if you just mix enough of this with this, then it's just all going to work out for your good. That's not reality. It sells books and it suckers young Christians who come from a life of broken and hurt and all of that kind of stuff, they hear some preacher or somebody step up on stage and say, come and accept Jesus and all your problems are going to go away and you're not going to have any struggles in anything. You say, oh man, that's great. I've been looking for something like this all my life. They come into the church and then somewhere along the line, the rug gets uh, uh, pulled out from underneath of them. They come to a pastor and say, why is my kid in this condition? Or why is my family going through this? Or why did my husband uh, leave? Or why is those little children being tortured somewhere, chained up some this morning? And how can God let that happen? And all those questions come, you know, because I thought once I came to Christ that all that stuff was going to be taken care of. And Jesus says, you'd be happier if you just stay on your side of the fence. Trust God, ask what we will. But understand and give space for uh, even if. So the question could be, how should I handle this situation? Not why am I in the situation? Why you're in the situation is, even if I had an answer, it's, it probably wouldn't help. And it, 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 There's nothing that anybody can say when, when they or their life or family or a loved one is in pain that you could say to where you would say, Oh, oh, okay, yeah, now I, that's not going to happen. But what I could help you with is how should I handle uh, this situation? The passage is in John 16, 33, and it's, a, it's an amazing passage. I would encourage you to find this in your Bible too uh, and mark it. 
Jesus is talking to his disciples. He's been talking to them for a good while because in, in, the, in the beginning or in 33, he says, these things I have spoken unto you. These things refer to some things that he talked about earlier in John 16. And what's amazing is these things that he's mentioning were troubles and trials. He, was just, he just got finished telling his disciples that some of you are going to, be li- you're going to get lied on, you're going to get mistreated, some of you are going to get whipped and stoned and flogged, and some of you they're even going to kill. That was, that's the these things. Now what's amazing about that is he says, these things I've spoken to you that in me you might have peace. That's, Lord, you just got finished telling us some bad stuff's going to take place. Yeah, I know. But I've told you those things, those things, so that in me, not in that situation, but in me, you might have peace. And now notice what he says. In the world you shall have tribulation. It's going to happen. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Now, can I just be honest? As if I've not been honest the whole time uh, this morning. Here's my question. If you've overcome the world, why am I having trouble in it? Right? Is that, a, is that okay to ask? Lord, if you've overcome the world, then why am I going through what I'm going through? Lord, if you've overcome the world, then... Why are we planning funeral services? If you've overcome the world, then why did I just walk out of the hospital and left my loved one there? Lord, if you've overcome the world, why can't uh, we break this addiction? Why can't we do, why? Lord, if you've overcome the world, then why in the world are your followers having trouble in it? I think that's a pretty fair question to ask. But remember, he says, he doesn't really, nowhere does he ever answer that. What he says is, I want you, what I will answer for you is, is that you have peace while going through it. I make no promises or guarantees that everything you ask for and the way you ask for is going to be suiting, suit, it's not going to, it may or may not suit you. But what he can promise and what you can jot down and what I can leave you with this morning are the, at least these three promises. So this, this, this I can say no matter what it is that you're going through. You say, but, 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 but wait, I'm going through and I've had and this is what we're faced with. I'm not making light of any of that. I'm not uh, uh, minim- minimalizing any of that. But what I would say to you is here's the promises you can bank on while going through that. Number one, heaven is guaranteed if you're a follower of Christ. If you've placed your faith in Jesus, uh, heaven is absolutely guaranteed. Now, friends, sometimes that doesn't, you know, as great as that sounds and as awesome as that is, sometimes that gets a little clouded when you're going through them in the moment. When you're saying, that's great, <laughs> Pastor, but right now, right now, the fire is so hot and this, tri- this thing is so tough on me and my heart and my faith is sort of kind of wobbly right now. Think with me just a moment. So if we, let's say this over here, this side over here represents heaven, right? 
because you guys look more heavenly. Uh, I'm not saying what you guys look like. I'm just saying this side, so this is heaven. If you're over here in life, wherever life has you, um, and you're guaranteeing me, if you can guarantee me that I'm going to get you here, right? I guarantee you I'm going to get you here. The only way anybody can guarantee you where you end up, they have to be in control of the whole trip, right? You can't guarantee me where I end up unless you can also guarantee me that you're going to be in control of all of this. Because if you're not in control of all of this, there's no way in the world you can guarantee me this is where I end up. And the Lord says, I guarantee you this is where you end up. So he has to then be able to guarantee the rest of it. Now, what does this over here look like to you for just a second? What I want you to do is imagine in your mind this picture of heaven. If we took a snapshot right now of heaven and you're there, let's picture, I don't know, some field, some tree, and there's this big long table, and who's sitting around the table? How many of you got have a few folks sitting around the table right now? You got some folks sitting around the table? It's a pretty picture, isn't it? It's a beautiful picture, isn't it? What are you talking about right now? What are you laughing about? What's being said right now around this table? Can you imagine? And they all don't just show up all at the table at one time, but they come over this little hill sort of one at a time. Now we've already, let's not get so spiritual and say, well, it's God that I want to see in Jesus. Okay, we've already seen them. Now let's talk about those others. Who comes over that hill first? Who comes over at second and third? What have you been, how how do you embrace them and how long do you embrace them? And I just want you to get a picture of that table and you're sitting around it with them. That's going to be a beautiful thing, friend. And that's guaranteed as a follower of Jesus Christ. That scenario will absolutely take place. And the reason God can guarantee it is he's overcome the whole path. There's no promise about what we're praying for, will there be healing or will there be rescue right now in this moment. But what God can guarantee is this picture that you have in your mind, that will absolutely take place. I guarantee it. Second, he promises in the scripture that his presence will be with you the whole way. I'm going to be with you. Don't be afraid. I'm going to be with you. You're going to be with me, meaning that you're going to rescue us. No, no. He told some of his disciples, no, they're going to kill some of you. But don't be afraid. Don't be afraid because you're going to come to our rescue and you're not going to let them do what they want. No, no. It's not going to work. It's not going to end up the way you want it to end up. But don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Because here's the thing. There's nowhere along the line you're not going to go through anything between there and over here. You're not going to go through anything to where God says, oh, I didn't see that coming. Well, now, I didn't know that that could take place. Now, I'm not so sure about this. I know I promised you this, but I didn't see this happening. I didn't see that disease. I didn't see that heartache. I didn't see, I didn't know they were going to leave. I didn't know that was going to happen. Friend, nothing's going to take place between where you are right now and the time that you get to enjoy that picture that you've got in your head. Nothing happens that God didn't already know about. God guarantees the whole thing, and he guarantees this 
this picture. Not only that, according to Scripture, your pain that you're feeling right now, that God may not fix to suit you right now, but that pain for the child of God, it will, it will not be wasted and good will come from it. We got a promise. All things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. All things, not all things are good, but God said, I promise you, the pain you're going through is not, it's not uh, random. It's not by chance. I didn't lose track. I know where you are. I know what you're going through and I know how you feel. And I'm fine with the questions. I promise you this. I promise you that there's nothing that you're going to go through that can change this scenario. I promise you that I'm going to be with you all along the way. And how many folks have you lived, uh, 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 been around and you've uh, talked to and they've been through some very hard trials and they, and they testify to God's presence while going through that. And you maybe never have been facing something that hard or that heavy. You say to yourself, I don't know if I could handle that or not. And they would say, I didn't think I could either. But when we were going through it, God's presence was so real to us. Have you ever heard somebody give testimony to that? Sure we have. You know why? Because God promises his presence all along the way. And he says, this pain that you're going through, that I'm not maybe not going to fix the way you would like for me to fix it, this is what I can promise is, I promise that what you're going through, I will use for good. You might get to see the good happen in your life, the good that happens, the good that happens for this, the good may go beyond generations. Hey, what you're going through, that, the good that I promise, may change that picture over there. There may be some folks sitting around this table and they're here because of what you went through over there and it reached them and it spoke to their heart and that, that pain, God promises to use it for good and that good added some folks to this table over here. You don't know. I don't know. The promises I can make you are those three right there according to Scripture. But your side of the fence is to allow yourself some space. Lord, this is what I would like for you to do. This is what I'm asking you to do. Lord, this is what I've been asking you to do. But if you don't, if you don't, give me the grace to understand. Give me the strength for these moments. Thank you, Lord, that I'm guaranteed the end result, your presence all along the way, and you're taking this pain, and this pain will not go wasted. Friend, this pain will be for good. That good may result in this life. That good may result in the life to come. So, Lord, even if you don't, uh, my hope is in you alone. That's where you want to Settle after you've sort of run around with a question or two. The questions are natural. The questions are understandable. The answers may not suit you now. So end up, while you're waiting on a better answer, let's just end up in my hope 
is in the Lord alone. That's my side of that fence. Would you bow your heads with me, please, for just a moment? Friend, if you're not going through one of those moments or have it maybe or something that's, that's shaken your faith, praise the Lord for that. But if you have, if you've been there, then you can relate this morning. And um, I want to take a moment to pray for you. And I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not, nobody's coming to you or anything like that. We're not going to single anybody out. But if you're here this morning, you would say, uh, Randall, um, I'm right now, in, in my life right now, at, in one of those moments. I'm uh, asking God, praying for God to change your situation, come to a rescue, give healing. Uh, I'm, at, I'm looking for a miracle. And uh, I wouldn't mind you enough just to say, I, I, that's where I'm at. And I wouldn't mind you to know enough about it to pray for me. I, and that's what I want to do. Is there one like that? Just slip your hand up and right back down. God bless you. Uh, several hands. The, the uh, situation never changes. Uh, just those involved do. And friend, it'll be you praying for somebody else one of these days, and then there'll be someone else to come along. They find themselves in a situation that says, if you are God who we sing about you being, why am I in this situation? Let's remember these promises he's made us. Father, I do pray for those that uh, lifted their hands. And uh, if we had time and heard their stories, Lord, I'm sure we'll leave here with hearts broken uh, because I don't always have the best answer for folks uh, when they come with the whys uh, of life. But Lord, I pray this morning that our, strength, our faith would be strengthened. Lord, that we'd leave here this morning knowing our side of the fence, knowing, God, what you have promised us and hold on to those promises while we pray for and believe it altogether fitting to pray for a miracle, to pray for answers, to pray for healing, uh, pray for the, uh, the, the relationships, whatever the case is, Lord, I don't think you have a problem with us at all, asking for what we will, and we do. But Lord, I do pray that you would give peace, this kind of peace that you promised when we're going through it, uh, Lord, to be able to Feel it and sense it and know it that you're with us. You're with us. Let us know that this morning. In Christ's name, amen. God bless you for coming. Stand with me if you would. We'll sing together and be dismissed.